So hi, I'm Miss Tyler, and welcome to this week's episode of Context for Kids, where I teach you guys stuff most adults don't even know. If this is your first time hearing, or if you've missed anything, you can find all the episodes archived at contextforkids.podbean.com, which has them downloadable, or at contextforkids.com, where I have transcripts for readers, or on my Context for Kids YouTube channel where I now post slightly longer video versions, and this week I introduced my little orange kitten, so... If you're listening on, like, Podbean or looking at the transcript, you, you want to see my little baby, he's so cute. Anyway, parents, all scripture this week comes from the MTV, the Miss Tyler version, which is the Christian Standard Bible, tweaked a bit to make it easier for kids to understand the content and the context without reading an entire chapter every week. So parents, if you didn't catch it, I posted a broadcast about the sensitive issues of Hagar's story on my Character in Context podcast and on my grown-up website, which you can find linked in this transcript. Strongly encourage you to listen to it so that you can handle questions that I can't delve into with a young audience. Now, Hagar is a very important person in the Bible, even though it may not seem like it at first. In fact, we can even be tempted to not like her at all if we're rooting for Sarai and we don't want to think anything bad about her. But Sarai, like Abram, was born a pagan. Definitely grew up worshipping idols and was part of the same ancient Near Eastern world as her husband. So having slaves was a normal part of her life. And so was treating them like they were nothing but property. The story of Hagar and Sarai isn't a pretty one full of happy endings because there is nothing nice about the world of slavery. Slavery was something that happened to people, and even those people who chose to be slaves only did so because it was their best chance of surviving when they'd run out of money. At the end of Genesis, we will see that near the end of the seven-year famine in Egypt, all the Egyptians had sold themselves to Pharaoh as slaves in exchange for enough food for themselves and their families to live on. Wow. Something I want you to know about ancient Egyptians is that, like Americans, they weren't just one color and they came from many different backgrounds. Many Egyptians were people from different countries originally who had moved to Egypt because there was almost always plenty of food there. And Egypt was very good about welcoming foreigners, like Abram and Sarai in Genesis 12. And so Egypt was full of people who had different skin colors, just like America. Most Egyptians were brown-skinned, but some had very dark skin if they were, like, from Kush, and lighter brown skin if they came from Asia, like Abram and Sarai. But there wouldn't have been anyone who was white there like me because... We seem to have fallen out of the Bible back in Genesis 10, and that's the last you see of my ancestors in the Bible. You know, I'm very grateful for Jesus so I can at least be there by the time Revelation 22 comes around and we're all worshiping God together. Now, Egyptians were people from a lot of different places like Sudan, which was called Kush, Ethiopia, and Libya. They were people who were united by the Egyptian way of life. And we can see why people would think that Egyptian culture was something they would want to be a part of. The ancient Egyptians were incredible artists, builders, doctors, and military fighters. 
they could do things that we still can't figure out how to do now, like build the pyramids. And it's not like they're gonna let us take one apart today, right? They even performed eye surgery. Dang. So when you think of ancient Egypt, I want you to remember that they were the richest, most powerful, and most technologically advanced country on earth while Abram, Isaac, Jacob, and his children were still alive. And they stayed that way until the time of Moses, but that's another story. Hagar was from Egypt, and when we first meet her in Genesis 16, she is a slave belonging to Abram's wife Sarai. Although they could have bought her at any time, she was probably given to them by Pharaoh when he took Sarai for a wife. And so by the time we see Hagar show up in the story, about 10 years have gone by since they left Egypt. Actually, since they were kicked out of Egypt. If she was six years old when she was given to Sarai, then maybe she's 16 now. Maybe Pharaoh gave her to Abram, or maybe he gave her to Sarai when she was at the palace. Sometimes when we watch movies about the Bible, they will say this or that, but when the Bible doesn't tell us, we need to remember that we really don't know for sure. Movies fill in the blanks to make the story more interesting, but when you're studying the Bible, you know, we have to pay attention to what it does say and what it doesn't say. We can make up what-if stories based on what we know about the ancient world, but when the Bible doesn't actually say something, we have to be honest about the fact that we just don't know for sure. All we do know for sure about Hagar is that she is Sarai's slave and that she is Egyptian. She only shows up as a character in Genesis 16 and 21. We don't know her age, what she looked like, or anything like that. We don't even know how she became a slave. But let's talk about some possibilities based on what we know from history. And the cool thing is that when we explore history, we can learn a lot, way more than by just making up a story about Hagar. So first of all, how did Hagar become a slave in the first place? Although we don't know for sure, we can look at what's written in the cuneiform tablets from Babylon, Assyria, and the Hittites to come up with some ideas. First, she might have been born to parents who were enslaved already. She might have been a slave her entire life. Second, she might have been sold as a slave to Pharaoh by a poor family who couldn't afford to feed her. Third, the entire family might have been sold into slavery if her father owed someone a lot of money. Fourth, Egypt went to war with a lot of other nations, and she and her family might have been captured and forced to live as slaves. Fifth, Hagar might have been kidnapped and sold. Sixth, if her father took out a loan and put her up as a guarantee that he would pay back the money and didn't, then they would have just taken her. Seventh, if her father had killed somebody, their entire family could be given to the victim's family as slaves. All of these things happened in the ancient world. We don't know exactly what happened in the case of Hagar, but it was almost certainly one of these things. What we do know for sure is that Hagar wasn't a slave because of the color of her skin. That wasn't how slavery worked until the last 400 years or so. People who were slaves looked just like anyone else. 
So they were sometimes branded underneath their arm or forced to wear special clothes so that people would know that they weren't free. I am 38% Irish. My father is 75% Irish and my grandmother was 100% Irish. And our family has been in America since before the Revolutionary War. There is a good chance that my ancestors came here as poor indentured servants and some of them were treated very badly when they came to America, but because lifelong slavery here was based only on skin color, my ancestors could run away if they were treated badly and start a new life far away and no one would ever know just from looking at them that they'd been indentured servants which means that they traded working for a certain number of years to get to America. They were kind of slaves, but not forever. And their children were born free. So that's very different from, from slavery, slavery. It actually makes me really angry when people say that what might've happened to my ancestors is just as bad as slavery in America because it totally wasn't. My ancestors had it so much better, even if they were sometimes treated very badly. And because she was a slave, people could treat Hagar as badly as they wanted and tell her to do whatever they wanted her to do, and she had to do it. She probably worked hard every day from when she woke up until she went to sleep. She belonged to Sarai, and so she probably had to fetch a lot of water from the well, which was really hard work grind a lot of green into flour, bake a lot of flatbread, milk the cattle, sheep and goats, card their wool, and use a spindle to make yarn or thread, which she then might weave into cloth for clothing. Hagar wasn't someone who could go out and decide what she wanted for her own life. Instead, she was someone that life just happened to based on the decisions of others. No one would choose this sort of life unless there was no other choice, and especially not a woman. And remember that we are commanded to love others as ourselves. So if we wouldn't want to be enslaved, taken as slaves, then it's wrong for us to do that to anyone else. Of course, that commandment hadn't been given yet. Abram and Sarai were the start of a new thing, and that new thing had to start out small and grow. Jesus told the story of a small mustard seed that grew into a huge plant. And Abram and Sarai are like that mustard seed. Every seed that God plants gets bigger and better and more spectacular. But when we don't wait for the seed to grow, we can make a lot of trouble for ourselves and other people. Now, because Hagar isn't free, she isn't going to have any choice about what happens to her in chapter 16. She gets told what to do, and she has to do it whether she wants to or not. No one asks her what she wants because no one really cares. Well, God cares. We know that Sarai wants a baby really badly, but she can't have one. God has promised a child to her husband Abram, but he didn't say anything about Sarai having a baby, which must have got her thinking about what she can possibly do to make things happen. Even though Sarai was married to a very rich man, everyone would have looked down on Sarai, except for the personal slaves that she had power over. I don't think they would ever dare to say anything mean to her or where Abram could hear, 
But in those days, no one had much respect for a woman who couldn't have a baby. And everyone knew that she was way too old to have one now. And Sarai knew it too. But we know about some of the things that they did back in Babylon where they came from. If a wife couldn't have a baby, she could make her slave have one for her. So one day, Sarai went to Abram and said, Here, God isn't letting me have a baby. You have a baby for me with her. Do you think Hagar wanted an old man like Abram for a husband when she was still just a kid herself? He was like almost 90. Do you think she was scared or confused? Maybe she had a crush on one of the younger male slaves. And maybe she hoped to marry him and have babies with him. Maybe she had a lot she wanted to say, but she knew it wouldn't do any good. No one cared about Hagar or what she had to say. Sarai wanted a baby for herself, and so she could tell her slave to do that. And Hagar had to obey. And then after Hagar had the baby, she would have to give it to Sarai. Hagar couldn't even be her baby's mom if Sarai didn't want her to be. That would be really hard. Hagar didn't know exactly what would happen to her or to the baby. All she knew was that she had to obey. And that might seem strange to us, but it was totally normal back then. In the ancient world, women were sometimes treated very badly, and slaves had it even worse. To be a slave and to be a woman meant that you pretty much always in danger of someone doing something really rotten to you just because they could get away with it. And what could you do about it? If you ran away, you would either die or someone else would capture you and they might be worse than what you left behind. There wasn't anyone around to protect her. When she left Egypt, she probably got separated from her family. There weren't any police around. She couldn't speak up for herself because no one was listening. She didn't have any rights because she wasn't free, and so no one would even care about anything bad happening to her. She had no choice but to be something between a low-ranking wife and a slave, because if she was really a wife, then she would get to keep her own baby. So we aren't entirely sure what Hagar was. And it seems like later in the story, Hagar isn't so sure either, and that caused a lot of problems. Let's talk about the differences between you and Hagar. And it doesn't matter in this if you're a girl or a boy. No matter what anyone told Hagar to do, she couldn't ever say no. You can say no if someone's telling you to do something you know is wrong, or even if you think it's wrong. You're a kid and not an adult, but you are different from Hagar in many ways. If Hagar stuck up for herself, no one would care. If Hagar said no, bad things would probably happen to her, and then she'd have to do them anyway. Hagar didn't have any control over what happened to her, who she had to marry, or even about whether or not she could keep her own baby. And that's really messed up, even though it was normal back then. You know, my own kids are adopted, but it was their birth mom's choice to place them with us because she loves them so much. Hagar didn't have something we have that is very important. She didn't have what we would call a voice. In the ancient world and even today, to have a voice means that people will listen to you when you talk. 
For example, people listened to Jesus preach the good news because he worked miracles, cast out demons, raised the dead, made bread and fishes, and did a whole lot of other things. When Jesus did those things, the people knew that God was saying, listen to him very carefully and do whatever he says. People like kings and priests also had a lot of voice because they had power and respect. So people took the things they said very seriously. If a king said something bad about you, then everyone would believe it. If a king told you to do something, you better do it. Voice has always been a very important thing to have and to use. But someone without a voice, who no one would listen to, probably learn not to say anything pretty darn quick. And they probably learned to just do whatever they were told, no matter how much they didn't want to do it. They were slaves. And escaping wasn't an easy or safe thing to do. Now, if Hagar was alive today, I think she'd be saying a lot of things. Hagar would have rights. No one could force Hagar to marry an old man and give her baby away. Hagar wouldn't have been sold into slavery in the first place. Hagar would have choices to make about her own life. I think that Hagar would tell you that when someone is hurting you, you should speak up because if she could have, then I'm sure she would have. And if they're doing really terrible things to you, you should call the police. Hagar had to be quiet because no one cared. But people do care about you. I care about you. And you are very precious to God, created to be his image bearer and show the world what he is like. Hagar was raised in a world where slavery was absolutely normal, even though we know it's strange and terrible now. I bet Hagar would study hard in school because she was never allowed to get an education. And she would be amazed at what you guys get to do. Hagar would learn that she is amazing and important to God and that it isn't right for people to treat her like she isn't even a real person. Abram and Sarai never even call her by her first name in the Bible. Hagar would know that her feelings matter and that if someone was too close, she could ask them to move away. She could tell people that they were wrong about things, and she wouldn't have to pretend like some people are better than she is just because they're rich. You know what? Someone older than me was hurting me a couple weeks ago, and I told him no. And he got really angry at me and told me off, but I used my voice and I didn't back down, and I'm just a really tiny person. I'm only five foot one, which probably isn't even taller than all you guys. <laughs> He was wrong, but he's used to doing whatever he wants and people just putting up with it. I'm always worried when I know I'm going to have to see him. When I said no, I was using my voice and saying that hurting me is not okay. When I said no, I was telling him that what he's doing is wrong. He didn't like that. And I was upset about it for a few days after, but then I woke up on my birthday and I felt so much better. I didn't hurt anymore. I'm so proud of myself for using my voice, even though the person who hurt me still doesn't think they were doing anything wrong. But that doesn't matter. God will have to show him that it isn't okay. That isn't my job. My job was to use my voice and say no. Maybe if a lot more people would say no to him, he would figure out that he isn't acting like a good guy. 
And sometimes you can't tell someone no. I totally understand. But you can use your voice to find someone else who can. And it's really too bad that Abram and Sarai felt the way they did about Hagar and did what they did to her and didn't care how she felt about it. It's sad that they thought it was okay to own people and use them like tools. It's really terrible that they grew up in a world where they couldn't even see why that was wrong, but that's how we all are. When something's normal to us, it's hard to see the truth about it. Did you know it's always been very important to God that we listen to the people who are in danger or are being hurt? Even though people don't much like listening to people who are poor, hungry, cold, sick, or who are widows or children without parents, or put into jail when they're innocent, the Bible tells us that God always hears them when they are crying out, and it makes him very mad when people who can help them just ignore them instead. In fact, Jesus said that when he comes again, he will judge people not based on what they ate or if they celebrated his festivals or tithed perfectly or anything like that. Those things don't help the people who are suffering. He said that people will be separated like shepherds separate the sheep from the goats in their herds. One group he'll be happy with because they were taking care of the people who were suffering, and the other group he will not be happy with because they ignored everyone who needed help. Jesus said that whoever takes care of the people who are suffering is taking care of him. And whoever ignores the people who are suffering is ignoring him. Not good. Abram and Sarai didn't understand that, and they never would. God hasn't done anything yet to show people how much he hates slavery and when people hurt each other. In fact, it won't be until we come to the story of Joseph and later during the time of Moses when God starts telling us stories about the wickedness of slavery. No one ever ended up a slave because things were going good for them, that's for sure. It can be really surprising when people like Abram and Sarai aren't always good examples and can sometimes be just as rotten as the people around them. But to be different, someone needs to teach us a new way to live. God has already asked them to make some big changes in their lives, but they're never going to be as good as Jesus. Jesus has been with God since the beginning, and he knows how everything was supposed to be before it got wrecked by sin and rebellion. Jesus knows that we're supposed to live together in harmony with no wars, sickness, slavery, abuse, lies, people trying to control each other, or any of that. He knows because everything was peaceful and perfect when it was just Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit together. Can you even imagine what they were thinking as humans came up with new and terrible things to do each other? When Cain killed his brother over something that didn't even have anything to do with Abel? When Lamech took two wives and then murdered a young man over nothing? And Nimrod went to war and built a mighty empire? Humans are really good at finding ways to make each other suffer. But that was why it was so important that God chose Abram to start a new way of life. As Abram learned to follow God and listen to him, he became a better man than he was at first. And his son Isaac and Isaac's son Jacob and Jacob's sons will have to learn to follow and listen too. They won't always listen and they won't always obey. 
The people of God will do awful things and God will have to hold them accountable. There's only one perfect person in the whole Bible, in the history of the whole world, and, and that's Jesus. Because Jesus is perfect, when we trust him and accept him as our king, his spirit comes and lives with us and we are able to change much more quickly than Abram and a whole lot more. The Spirit teaches us how to love others and even forgive them. The Spirit teaches us not to hate people, but to love helping them. The Spirit changes warlords and gang members into missionaries and preachers. The Holy Spirit of God can change you into whatever God wants you to be, no matter how impossible it seems. He's still changing me all the time. I love you. I'm praying for you. We can learn a lot from the story of Hagar and how wonderful it is that we can make our own decisions and that it isn't okay for other people to hurt us.